Welcome to Disruptive Branding by Saffron Brand Consultants. In this podcast, we will share the most important insights that we have gathered from several decades of working closely with some of the world's most disruptive brands. We will show how every business, startup to enterprise, can design its brand using disruptive thought and action. From how-to sessions with members of our executive team to conversations with our clients, learn firsthand how to position your brand to compete with disruptive challenges and to challenge and disrupt yourself. Today we're speaking with Julian Valenzuela, one of the newest strategists at Saffron, but coming to us with a wealth of experience in the branding world. Outside his day job, Julian mentors for students studying a master's in customer experience. And often the topic comes up is portfolio creation. And of course, the topic of searching for a job. So since this is always such a hot topic, today we're going to do a deep dive and give you, our audience, some top tips on how to create your portfolio. So welcome to the podcast, Julian. Hi, welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Very excited. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I studied architecture and design, and that's my background, but I've always been obsessed with human experience and uh, sort of understanding how to design from the user's perspective. I have worked for various studios, both in digital and more analogical projects. Amazing. And so how did you actually get into the world of branding? So although this is something that I've learned at the uni, uh, the first time I approached branding is really when I was finishing my career and I was looking for my first job and uh, that first time was actually branding my myself or oneself and it's one of the hardest things and once that became clear for me i also wanted to share that with clients or companies um, and to pursue that professionally uh, after my master's degree uh, i knew that i wanted to be more involved in like impactful projects and uh, in branding specifically so that led me to saffron Amazing. And when did you join Saffron? I've joined three weeks ago. Oh, so new to the new to the family and already getting getting involved. <laughs> um, so let's make a start on kind of on portfolios. So to begin with, who actually needs a portfolio? So from my perspective, I believe both designers and strategists need portfolios. There isn't a massive distinction between the two of them, but uh, the real challenge is for strategies to illustrate projects that they haven't developed or that they haven't developed the visuals for or the graphical part. And for designers to be strategic about how they show their work and their personality um, so that it comes across when they're trying to, to show their work. So do you need to change your portfolio every time you apply to a different company? I don't think portfolios change depending on the, on the company specifically, but on your goals. In a way, you're trying to match your personality to the company's personality so that you have like that connection between the both. Um, after all, you have a lot of skills, but you, you do need to focus on which are most valuable to showcase and, of course, how to communicate them. Also, I think it is very important to say that a portfolio for applying to a job is completely different than one that you do for a university. And how so? So for, for a university, you're trying to showcase maybe more of a methodology and the fact that you have the skills to be part of that master's and to bring a lot of diversity or different ideas to the conversation. In the end, master's, for example, are very about uh, the discussion you have. 
Whereas jobs require certain skills, you want to show that you can do the jobs that they're going to ask you to do. And I guess by the time you're applying to jobs, you actually have a bit more kind of experience under your belt. So. Of course, and, and then you're actually even more mature and can, and can talk about it better. Yeah. So, so where do you begin when you're ready to kind of start building your portfolio? I would say step one is gathering all the information. So collecting all of your work, documents, images, anything that went into the project or different projects that you, that you think might be useful. And then after that, you definitely need to define what is the medium or how you're going to show this, uh, how would you be socializing that portfolio, and of course, the storytelling behind it so that you can deliver it in a one way or another. Amazing. So let's maybe delve into this, this idea of like the medium. So what's, when we talk about medium, we're talking about, you know, whether it's online, whether it's digital, printed, like, you know, what is the medium? So What's most common when, when you're going into the world of branding? Do you need printed usually or is it more digital? So right now everything is digital. So that kind of discards printed, sadly. The decision is between a web or a PDF. And uh, the most companies I've applied from my experience, um, they usually allow you to upload just a link. So that means that you either point them to your portfolio website or have them downloaded from any cloud drive. And there you would have to be very wary about the size of the file so that it's easy for the company to download it. Oh, that's a good tip, especially when you have, you know, really high res, high res images or videos, for example. Exactly. So what are kind of the key distinctions when we're talking between mediums? So personally, I love printed portfolios. Like that's my personal passion, but they're impractical. And there is something either like, from the web or the PDF that's very um, easy to follow and, and easy to use when applying for a job or, or for, um, for something regarding education. Today, everything is online, so a web page allows you to guide an experience. Um, but this experience is not to be linear. It's probably more up to the audience to figure out how to interact with, with it. And then a PDF is something that you read in a straight line. So that means that you leave less things to chance and um, you don't have to worry as much about how the audience is going to interact with it. Okay, so with the PDF you have a bit more control um, than the web page, that makes exactly. sense. Um, so any kind of things that people should look out for if they're transferring, you know, what if they have a, they have, you know, an, a digital version and then they have to go to a printed one or to a PDF, what, what kind of things should they look out for? Well, the, the first thing is I would choose a medium I'm comfortable with. Um, chances are you're creating your portfolio with no time and uh, you're in a rush and, and you need to get this done as fast as you can. So going for something that you know is, is of course easier. And then choose a medium that resonates with you and your personality. Um, so for example, I remember when I, when I did my first portfolio after, after I finished uni and it was this printed book, which was super impractical, it was huge and heavy. Um, but then when I was doing like my portfolio again to apply for a software and I was like, okay, I need something that's easy and I need a website. And um, after all that, that's just like speaking about how I've matured and what I've learned along the way. Yeah, but I'm sure if you, if you rock up with a massive book, some people will think it's very, uh, it's very kind of cool, <laughs> cool and old school. Uh, yeah, for sure. But then it's also like 
But would they want to read it? Maybe, maybe exactly. not. Exactly. Um, so the next area is kind of the storytelling aspect. So I guess this this kind of is potentially the most important part of part of creating portfolios. So why is it so important? Your portfolio should lab on someone with no time or just little time to read it. Uh, you want to be able to grab their attention as fast as possible and guide them quickly to everything that makes you unique. Remember that you're competing against others. So you do have to be wary about how you differentiate yourself. Yeah, I guess it's a bit like a CV in that in that sense. Yes. Um, and so how do you storytell? I mean, there's lots of different ways to storytell. It's the same, you know, as we we kind of look at storytelling in the branding world. So how do you storytell kind of in a verbal way? Writing for portfolios has to be concise and easy. You're not sure that your reader has the same level of expertise that you have. So, for example, what happens a lot of times is portfolios reach HR and not, for example, design or strategy. So they have to be able to understand, um, even if they use different terms for certain things. So the, to tell the story it has to be done in an easy way. Yeah, that makes sense. So then what about the kind of storytelling with design? Any tips there? My advice would be to keep in mind that there are three levels of reading. This literally means that you should plan your story so that I can understand it by only reading titles and subtitles. That if I'm interested, I can read the first paragraph or the highlighted text and quickly have additional information. And that if I have the time, I can deep dive into the longer text or the, or the deep end of what you're trying to say. Uh, your design is also setting the tone and theme. So think about what you, the way you want to be perceived. In the end, you're again self-branding. Yeah, that, that does make sense. And then any tips for creating a, a very compelling story? You always want to create a journey. So think about easy wins to make that right smooth. For example, having the same structure for each project and reducing the number of projects to four or maybe five uh, could be a good way to go. Or even clustering projects by skills or abilities. I would say also like be inspired by narratives out there and... Um, Take advantage of tools like Story Shapes, for example. Um, what's what Story Shapes? So Story Shapes is something that you use when creating a narration. And uh, basically the way it works is you outline the story um, through the ups and downs it can have. So think about the knots, the way that the problem develops. Think about the way it's going to be resoluted. And um, that's going to help you like create a story around what you're trying to say. Yeah, I guess it's the way to get somebody interested and interested enough to kind of go the whole way through the journey with you. Which is the ultimate goal, of course. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting about not including too much. Uh, I think it's yes. very easy to kind of, you know, you've done so many things. And I guess that happens as you get kind of further on in your career. You've done so many cool things. And then, you know, you could only actually get somebody's attention for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And I think that it's also true for like reducing that amount of work to the minimum, you know, yeah. like you can't just show one project. You do need to show like um, a variety of work that you can do, but yes, it cannot be huge. Yeah. Um, and so then the next area is kind of the idea of delivery. So what's the difference between a portfolio that's going to be presented versus one that's only going to be kind of read and you're not going to be in the room? So when you need to be self-explanatory, for example, 
there is more risk to it. You want to be more careful about how do you guide your audience through the important things, for example. Uh, likewise, your personality does need to come across. So the screen has to be able to show all that you are and the way you approach a certain project. And how do people do that? How do you, any tips on how to actually get your personality across? So I would say tone and voice are very important because, of course, like the written content is as important as the images. And uh, the way the overall design works allows you to show who you are, regardless of the projects that you've done. Yeah, that makes sense. And then any tips on how to present your portfolio in person? When you get to present it, you get to tell the story, you know, like the fun facts, the cool things that happened. And it's more of a conversation between you and, and your audience. So always remember that you're most probably already an expert on your project. So don't be afraid to make it about you and to have that nuances of more um, jokes or more um, informal conversations around it. One thing I believe is interesting to consider is bringing your portfolio to the conversation when you're in a job interview. So I have even shared my screen and showed projects during the conversation. And I think that shows action and like proactivity mm -hmm. um, within that like formal space. Do you tend to find that most um, most interviews you'll, you'll actually give the portfolio before, you'll send the link before and then they'll you'll talk it through so they've got a bit of context or... So usually you do send them through and they scan sure. through it. <laughs> yeah, that, that I'm being kind, but yeah, probably not. The because, five minutes before the yes, interview, they have a quick look at exactly. it. Exactly. But then you walk into the interview and you know they're already interested. So you can take advantage of that and can show as much of yourself as you're comfortable with. Amazing. So now what are some kind of common mistakes that people make when they're creating a portfolio? They don't prioritize. So we already kind of covered this, but uh, they try to tell all the stories uh, you have and um, talk about every single project and forget that people reading, again, have no time. <laughs> uh, I would also say that as with any type of document, the structure is the most important thing. So you need to be, you need to have a conductive thread and a way to tell that story so that you and your projects shine through. Great. And then... Do you have any kind of final tips or tricks, anything that our listeners should, should look out for? I think I have a couple. So first uh, and most importantly, have someone read it and see it through and uh, try to receive feedback. Uh, it doesn't even have to be like an industry expert. Even your friends will probably have insights on what you should fix or you should tweak. Uh, secondly, I think remember to include contact details <laughs> that might sound like a like a dumb thing to have or to remember but they need to be ever present because in the end you need to have a call to action and if someone is reading your portfolio they might want to hire you so that means they need to contact you easily I would say also get inspiration from others so read as many portfolios as you can and get inspired by that uh, think about yourself as a brand. So think about your purpose, your methodology, and everything that makes your work yours. And that also means being very consistent in the way you're telling the story and in the way you're showing who you are as a professional. Um, that consistency is also about the progress you've done. So everyone has projects that they might not be 
as in love with um, than others, but that doesn't mean there's value in the progress or the steps you've walked to reach where you are now as a professional. And finally, I would say give your work, work group credit. They deserve it. So chances are you did some, some of the work with uh, your colleagues or with your friends and they deserve to be acknowledged and, and taken into your, your portfolio. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that also shows, you know, most if you're applying to a job in, you know, a brand consultancy, um, a studio, like the whole point is that you work with people, right? So that shows you that you can work as a team and you're a good team member and you, know, you can collaborate with others. So I don't think it necessarily detracts from, you know, your work. It just actually adds this idea that you're a, you know, a team player as well. Exactly. Um, and then finally, just any any resources that our you know our listeners can can turn to. So first, I think Behance is a really cool tool. Uh, it probably lets you find creatives that have built or are building their portfolios, so you can get inspiration inspiration from there. And then, of course, like you have Squarespace or Wix, where you you can actually build your portfolio if you're going for a web. Um, I personally have read a book. I don't know if I love it, but it helps you understand the way to self-brand. And that is uh, called Reinventing You. Uh, and then you also have uh, interesting articles about your personal branding. And for example, there's uh, an article in Forbes called 10 Golden Rules for Personal Branding. Amazing. We'll put all of these in the, in the show notes for our listeners to find. Well... We're coming to the end of our episode, so I just want to say a massive thank you, Julian, for some incredibly useful insights. Um, and thank you to our audience for listening today. So stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. And if you have any questions, do get in touch via our social channels. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Disruptive Branding. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and do leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps other brand lovers to find us.